evening, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. We're happy to have you this evening. And uh, we are bringing back a friend of the show. You guys probably remember Dr. Tracy Farna, who has joined us numerous times over the years to talk about everything from red tide to um, the swamps and how the weather affects those. And we're going to be talking about seaweed tonight. So you may have heard over uh, the last few weeks, there's like a belt of seaweed that is moving into at least Florida and uh, it's kind of been an att attention grabber headline on the news. So it's like, hmm, Tracy will know all about this. So, uh, Tracy, we're happy to have you join us again tonight to uh, to discuss this. You're like our resident scientist. You know, when we see all these crazy things, we're like, we know Tracy knows what's going on and she can tell us all the good details. So, uh, Tracy, yeah, tell us about yeah. what's going on. I mean, this is uh, is this is this a normal thing? And we're just kind of hearing it in the news or is this something that's kind of abnormal that we normally don't see? Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, we've been seeing it more and more for the past decade, ever since 2011, of course. But before that, you know, we were still getting a bloom of sarcasm pretty much every year coming in from the North Atlantic through the Sargasso Sea. That's where it got its name uh, and then coming into the Caribbean. But but an Atlantic oscillation anomaly occurred in 2009 and 10, bringing winds that were that are normally eastward south. And apparently that is one hypothesis of why this sarcasm belt has has basically increased the distribution of sarcasm uh, in the Atlantic, the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. And and this is it's really interesting. There are a lot of hypotheses behind this. We have the winds that anomaly wind uh, system from 2009 and 10 that might have brought basically sarcasm to to a location where it's happier, you know, more sunlight, more nutrients, more more uh, mixing going on. So. So they just grows like crazy. In addition to that, some people think that deforestation in the Congo and in the Amazon. And right now, like when I'm looking over here, I'm looking at this beautiful map that uh, Sarcasm Monitoring did. Actually, can I share this? This is the Sarcasm Monitoring from 2011 all the way to current times. This website is amazing. There's one woman that runs this website she gets all of the data and manually puts it in this monitoring system. It's incredible. But as you look at this map, you can start to see that as time goes on, we're seeing more and more sarcasm in this in this belt, in this sarcasm belt, which is further south than has historically brought sarcasm over from, from the North Atlantic. And then we can see here we're in 2017 now. So the summer months being the prime times, the, the warmer waters. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, June is is peak month, typically, typically. And, and, and then, so Tracy, is this more of a Caribbean um, into Florida or it seems like as these years tick on, there's even a slight bit that makes it up into the Atlantic and uh, the Gulf. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, these blooms uh, in this area follow the intertropical convergence zone. So where those winds and that pressure system is is moving 
the surface waters and the winds is where this goes. And, and it, we're seeing it into the Caribbean. We see tons of it coming up in Mexico. You know, all my friends want to go to Tulum because that's like the cool place to go right now. But it's uh, full of algae, the islands, Puerto Rico. Um, we're seeing on the east coast of Florida, um, and right now you can see a little patch basically breaking off and coming to the east coast of Florida. But the majority of it is really hitting the islands. The keys are getting covered right now um, and then gets picked up by the loop current. The reason why we don't see that much on the west coast of Florida, however, this year with it being likely the biggest bloom to ever to ever happen in recording history, uh, people are concerned that some of the, that sargassum might break off go into eddies and in land on the west coast of florida as well but i in my time in west on the west coast of florida i haven't seen it yet so tracy so, is this like predominantly because a lot of folks are i think the the idea is is the news headlines have made florida the target so everybody in florida all the way over to pensacola is worried about this right now where the the majority of it is right there where you can see the outline all the way from say daytona uh, maybe even Jacksonville all the way down to the South Miami and the Keys. Those are the prime areas of, of the immediate United States that sh we should be worrying about right now, correct? Right, but we are seeing some in the Panhandle. So we are seeing it wrap around the Loop Eddy, which is yep. just north of the Yucatan Peninsula. Exactly. And it spins in a counterclockwise fashion and sends it, pulls whatever's there up along it and up into the coastline. So some of those folks along Pensacola could see more of this this year is what we're saying as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just blown away because the last time I looked at this map was, you know, a couple of weeks ago to see how many more reports there have been. And if you click on these little icons, you can see that there's pictures and all these icons of the sarcasm. It's like, it's, this is the, the coolest thing. Well, they actually I mean, have live it's not reports. Cool for some of these areas that have low, you know, low income and don't have programs to remove that sarcasm. That's what, that's when it can get really bad. So is, is there any health effects or anything like that with, with this? I mean, it seems like by these pictures, it's just like these long rows of, of, of this, um, uh, we saw a person laying on. I mean, is there any health effects or like what's the what's what's the outcome of this? Uh, or is it just something that really isn't harmful? It's just something neat to happen. Well, these blooms are essential for the ecosystem. They bring over, you know, juvenile eels, some some economically important fish species. Uh, they're basically like floating islands, floating ecosystems that are super important for the health of our oceans. Uh, however, when they do come up to shore in mass quantities and start to die and decompose, that's when they can be a problem. So first of all, they're not harmful species, not like a Florida red tide that we have in the Gulf of Mexico, which is a microscopic algae that releases a toxin. This species doesn't have a toxin. But really cool thing about this species is that, you know, you notice that it floats on the water. They have these little pockets of air. They look like berries but they're pockets of air and this species can actually reproduce by fragmentation. So basically if a, if a boat drives through one of these blooms in, in a very small piece like breaks off, it can keep on reproducing like crazy and eventually be an acre. You know, like it's, a, it's, it's really an interesting organism. It's really an interesting species. Um, but yes, as far as problematic, when they wash up to shore, they can, 
black sunlight from photosynthetic organisms in the water column causing hypoxia or dead zones, they can also start to die and decompose on, uh, on the coastline, which smells bad uh, and is slimy and all that, but also the, the gas that is produced by that bacteria breaking, breaking down the sarcasm um, is actually toxic. Well, it's harmful. I, I, I use the word toxic very, um, very carefully. Well, I was asking about that um, with red tide and people, the neurotoxins that get into the air from the decay. Yeah, that's a toxin. Yeah. Right, right. And that gets your eyes stinging and everything. But th does this have any of those same kind of Im those impacts to like other than just smelling terrible, which if you yeah. go to the Bahamas and areas where these things wash up and they're not cleaned up, boy, it really starts to turn. But are there any same symptoms that if you start to feel your eyes stinging or any any health concerns that, hey, you might want you want to get well away from this area? Yeah, well, that gas produced that smells really bad sulfur dioxide can be harmful to people if they breathe it in in mass quantities. And I know in Puerto Rico, uh, in an area that they were not removing that algae, uh, people were having and experiencing respiratory irritation, which is super interesting um, that you, you wouldn't think that something just dying or decomposing uh, that doesn't contain a toxin could be harmful to your health like it's very it's very interesting there's one question i'm, I'm curious about um you showed the map earlier showing where there were uh blooms of sargassum uh going through the caribbean and and uh, through the atlantic uh a little surprising to me because i i expected there would be a, a good bit of it off the east coast, uh, uh, east of the Gulf Stream, where the Sargasso Sea is, because I thought that was uh, what, what what that was named for was the amount of sargassum that's that's present in that area. That's yeah, kind of in a, a kind of a doldrums area for Atlantic Ocean currents. It's a little stagnant there. So, uh, and it's still why, there. Why does that it's not just, show up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there. here's the thing. This is a this is a satellite image and density is really really the key here and you can see in some of these years you can see the movement from the north uh to the south uh -huh. like right there did you see that yes okay i'm pointing at it i don't know <laughs> you can't really see me pointing at it um so it's still occurring it's just that because of this distribution growth it's just growing like crazy in an environment that's more conducive to growth I see. So that's that's the concentration that matters there. There's still a lot of sargassum in the Sargasso Sea. It's just that there's yeah. more of it yeah. when you're seeing these these uh, yellow and red areas. You're exactly right. Okay. I, I don't think this is a question. It's just kind of putting it out there. So Shay, um, you may even want to weigh in on this, but do is there any way we can translate that to like El Nino years and La Nina years, and and you know which years may see more of of this than the other? Yeah, I mean, because it, it really is directed by winds. I think, so we get, it, it's, it's the overturn of nutrients that is really a dominant factor in how much of this algae grows in this area. Um, so La Nina and El Nino, the, I can totally imagine that that does, does in fact play a role. Um, now, which role that it plays, I mean, I mean, that, that 2009, 2010, and then I'm just sorry, I'm hypothesizing. 
That's why we bring you on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's no, the thing. I mean, it, it definitely, definitely is. Um, it, it, you could, you could draw some, some points to that Scotty for sure, because what it really comes down to is the Hadley cell and Walker circulations that occur along these tropical belts. Right. So in, in El Nino years, you'll find more upper shear you may find faster circulations where um, it's a, it's a water cooling mechanism where you have a little bit more troughing along the um along the belt there around the um you know where the tropics are right so and then and then as you get into la nina where there's less you end up with the circulations aren't quite as strong the water's warmer in pools so um definitely you could draw some correlation there but that it's really i often wonder too is like the saharan air layer does that possibly feed into this as well with the with phosphorus rich irons or does it do you know if yeah, I my feet off of that? That is another one of the hypotheses is changing in is changes in Saharan dust. But the interesting thing is that that the correlation between between any of those factors isn't as clear as just it is looking at at a timeline of increases in in mass. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's we've had El Nino and La Nina years, you know, over the past 10 years. But really, we're seeing this just gain more and more density. Yeah. In the in the within the past decade. So I'm sure that all of those factors come into play. I mean, that 2018 explosion, that was that was actually a neutral year or going into a. a yeah, he started out with a weak La Nina and ended right. up neutral. Neutral. So. Yeah, I mean, boy, it gets really tough, Scotty, when you ask something like that. Sure, we could we could maybe draw some connections there. I don't want to be too much of a of a theorist. Yeah, but I'm it's sure it's never just one thing. Yeah, I mean, look, our 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 seas are gradually warming, right? I mean, we're we're experiencing global warming temperatures um, right. on higher scales. So there, there's a lot of different factors here. I wouldn't throw it all on that. There's it seems like there's a lot of nutrient-rich conditions going on in these areas, right? Exactly, um, because yeah. we are having changes in Saharan dust. We are having deforestation and fertilization in the Congo and the Amazon as they switch over from, from natural forest land to farmland. So that is, they are all factors. And it's the same thing with Florida red tide too. It's never just one thing. You know, there's all these different factors that come into the fact that we're we're seeing more intense or more or longer blooms or a shift in season. That is very interesting. So for those folks who may be going to Florida on vacation, um, what's your advice to them? Oh, well, in Florida, they're doing a really good job of removing the algae, like really rapidly. Um, And and in fact, some of my friends that are reporters have gone to beaches to try to find it and haven't been able to because they don't get there before before the facilities and maintenance do. And the same thing with the dead fish from Red Tide. They've gotten really good at removing removing those dead fish. And the reason for that isn't just for tourism, but it's also because that decay of organic matter also can introduce nutrients into the coastal waters and cause an imbalance in the ecology. And for example, right now we have a Florida red tide bloom, but there are many species of algae that plague coastal systems and, and some of them toxic. So when you introduce that, that 
nutrients uh, from these huge blooms dying and decaying, it can exacerbate some of these more harmful species. That That's good to know for those folks mm-hmm. who may be heading that way. Uh, hope Well, you may not see it at all unless you're out very early in the morning or, or at night. But, uh, well, Tracy, that's some good info. You mentioned red tide. Any updates in that going on in Florida right now? Yeah, so we still have a bloom of Florida red tide off the, the west coast of Florida. It is patchy. So you might experience effects at one beach and not at a beach a mile north or south. Uh, this weekend, I uh, was in a boat along the coast, uh, along the west coast of Florida, and you definitely knew when you were passing a patch of Florida red tide um, and had wind direction going in your direction because all of a sudden everyone on the boat was coughing. Mm. And, and then we'd be fine. And then we'd start coughing again. So it it was, we still do have that bloom. We had some offshore winds that really dispersed and gave some people a break on the coast because the bloom was pretty intense about a month ago. Um, and my timeline is all off because I've been traveling so much, but I, I believe <laughs> about a month ago. Um, and, and really since the beginning of the year, uh, we had some intense respiratory irritation and many dead fish at a lot of beaches, whether it was to the south, uh, Charlotte County, Lee County, or to the north in Pinellas County. And that's when you really hear about Florida red tide is when it when it impacts Tampa Bay and Sarasota. Um, I'm, I'm sure that there are many reasons why, but it seems like they have the loudest voices, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because Lee County and Charlotte County are the ones most plagued by by Florida red tide. So, Tracy, is uh, will we be dealing with this in the Carolinas? Uh, any chance that the Gulf Stream carries uh, more of this sargassum up here? Yeah, I mean, you could even see in the map that it's happened before in recent years. There's just so much of it that it can be carried up by the Gulf Stream. Uh, just like Florida Red Tide has only been carried up by the Gulf Stream and goes through the loop current up the Gulf Stream. It's only happened like nine or ten times uh, in recorded history, but it can be the same thing with sargassum, um, except because it's, it, it re- is a macro algae, it really stays on that surface. It's more um, apt to, to move with ocean currents. I'll say well, the one thing about that with the Gulf Stream, Frank, is, is I've seen it really heavy in some years out in the Gulf Stream being out there deep sea fishing. And, and it, that, that whole bed, all of that sargassum out there, all the seaweed promotes an entire environment of seabirds and their families and everything. They live off, they live on it out there. And yeah. um, even, Fishermen even, love it too. yeah, well, Hey, like that's where sometimes you find the tuna might run. Right. So you want to kind of head towards those beds or along the edges of them. But there, there's also, there's been evidence of these birds being wrapped in when we had um, uh, hurricane, what was it? Not Andrew, but uh, the one 2014, it was a hurricane that came into North Carolina, drawing a blank oh, on the Arthur. name. Arthur, yes, Arthur. And uh, that was a July 4 one, right? When it made mm-hmm. landfall in North Carolina. And uh, in the eye of it, in radar, was spotted using the uh, correlation coefficient. We could see those birds in the eye, staying in the eye, just trying to get away from the state where it was calmer. As it That's blew amazing. Into the, yeah, all those birds, they were found well in the North Carolina and they had to work their way out back out to sea again. But yeah, those oh, my were, gosh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty neat stuff. But yeah, that, that promotes a lot of other kind of life and, and 
a marine mammal activity out there. So, well, Tracy, we appreciate you coming on and talking to us about this. Um, I know it's been a story in the news here recently, so it's good yeah. to get your your expert opinion on that. And hey, like Tracy said, there's a small possibility we could actually see it here off our Carolina coast, but most likely, uh, if you have any plans to to go to Florida, that's your best chance of seeing this over over this next few months. And if you go to Puerto Rico or any of these islands or or Mexico, the, the Yucatan Peninsula, you could see about six feet of it in some places. Wow, Oof. that is a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And the, it, you know what the amazing thing is about about this is is that I mean it's good and bad because people are trying to find uh, ways to dispose of the sargassum because there's so much of it. So people are trying to be you know ecologically friendly with with the sarcasm making compost out of it or or something something biofuels i've heard of them making um and cleaning it up of course is is essential and that's great if there's another use for it but sarcasm like so many other uh, aquatic species uh, they they're really good at cleaning the water, which means that they might have heavy metals associated with them. And in fact, in, in some studies, they've seen that, that arsenic, lead, and other heavy metals have been found in, in sarcasm. Uh, so, so I just wanted to warn people that there's a possibility that some of these, uh, some of these alternative ways to dispose or use sarcasm uh, might not you know, you just got, you got to do your research and, mm -hmm. you know, see what, see what kind of treatment goes into any kind of algae pill that you take. That's interesting. Good, good to know. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was hoping you're going to say it's a delicacy over in the Western Pacific and we could just ship it over there, but you know, it wouldn't work. Well, well. that's the thing. It It is right. So people do eat sarcasm around the world. Yeah, that, that was right. actually the question I was about to ask you, because it wouldn't be a Carolina weather group with Frank on it without a food <laughs> question. So, <laughs> so my question was going to be, is this sarcasm a, a species of seaweed that you can you know, make like into sushi nori or something? Yeah, I mean, if you farm it, go for it. Um, if not, I think further research would need to be done. I'm going to say the scientific, you know, safe thing. Mm -hmm. Um because I'm sure not every patch of, of sarcasm has the same concentration of, of pollutants. And there are different ways that you can treat something such as sarcasm too. And I say it wrong all the time. Like, it's really funny because I was on CNN and I said, sargasm, like, because that's the common way that a lot of people say it. it's just the easiest way to say it's sargasm. And I make a bunch of sarcasm jokes like, oh, we, we love sarcasm. I'm being sarcastic. Um, but, but I got this novel written to me after I was on CNN. And she was like, it's sargasm. And she gave me the whole like origin of the word. And I was just like, what about the word possess? What do you, think? What do you say about that? She's like, well, it's an English language. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, well, we appreciate your time, Tracy. And I am sure we'll probably be calling. Do some these. editing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, this clip, this, this part of the clip is going straight to CNN. <laughs> well, Tracy, thank you so much uh, for joining us. 
I know you have some great social media handles that our followers can follow. If they're not already following you, I mean, I know we've had you on the show three or four or five times. So if they are not following you, if they're new to the show, uh, what's the best way to to get information on on what all you're you're doing and to get informed about things like this? Yeah, visit me at Inspector Planet on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. I, I mostly do Instagram stories, uh, which go away in 24 hours. So I'm not held accountable to anything. Just kidding. Um, but it is Inspector Gadget and Captain Planet. So so that's how you can remember it. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you all for watching and listening to the Carolina Weather Group. We'll see you back here real soon with a new episode.